Welcome to 60 Questions by Bloom Magazine. This series highlights the different medical specialties to give our audience a better idea of what it's like to be a surgeon with a focus on best practices and workers' compensation. We hope this new series brings much needed valuable insight into the life of a doctor. Hello, hello. Are you ready for your 60 questions? 60. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> Alrighty, so I'm going to start with the most basic question. That's why I didn't introduce you. Here we go. What's your name? Okay, um, I'm Dr. Kojo Marfo. Um, should I just keep going? or no, What's your question? specialty? Okay, so um, I'm an orthopedic surgeon uh, with fellowship training in hip and knee replacement. Um, but I do a little bit of general orthopedics and general trauma as well. And how many years have you been practicing? So I uh, finished residency in 2018. And I, then I did a year of fellowship, which finished in 2019. And I started uh, practicing in South Florida, uh, February 2020. Um, so a little over two years now. Excellent. And where did you go to medical school? So I did my med school at Howard University College of Medicine in Washington, D.C. And I stayed there for uh, residency as well at uh, Howard University Hospital. So I was in D.C. for uh, nine years of my adult, adult life, oh, one of my favorite cities. I bet. And then now you're here in South Florida. Welcome. <laughs> I am. Thank you very much. I love South Florida as well. The, the missus likes it too. So thank oh, she you for loves it. Stay. <laughs> and by missus, I know that we interviewed Dr. John, so if you guys saw the first 60 questions with her, that is his wife. So, <laughs> Alrighty, did you take a gap before going to medical school? So before going to med school, I took an, an unplanned uh, one-year gap. So I guess what had happened was I took my uh, um, MCAT test, and it was the, the highest I had gotten out of the three different times. But I had a good friend who finished uh, third in our um, high school class, and I was number one in my high school class. And um, he said his pre-med advisor told him that he should probably take the test to get a little bit higher. And I think we had like two points apart. And I uh, studied for the exam, but my exam score ended up going down, but I applied anyway. And I guess the, the medical schools took that as a bad sign. So I only got waitlisted my first year, but then I retook the test and I got higher than the second time, but one point lower than the first time. But then I got into a bunch of different schools. Wow. So I did some tutoring on the side <laughs> for that year. That's a good story. What was your favorite part of medical school, if you could remember? Um, medical school favorite part definitely wasn't the first weekend when I found myself studying on a Friday night, my first weekend in med school. Um, cause le after leaving college, you're like enjoying your weekend, spending time with your friends. But my favorite part of med school is I think I really had a good connection with a lot of my med school classmates, um, from Howard university. I guess it was like a family type of feel. Everyone gets along. We're actually in like a, a group chat with a lot of the uh, young couples from the med school class. We still try to keep in contact. 
um, have occasional like Zoom sessions during the pandemic. We're planning like uh, some young couples trips as we um, start to uh, think about having children since we're I guess, still newlyweds. Um, mm -hmm. Some of the other couples that we're like going on trips with, we're going to bring their kids so we can see if we are actually ready or not. Ready. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's such a great support system that you have mm -hmm. here, that you've built. That's, I, I love that. I love to hear that story, especially since you have that since you went to medical school. Yeah. So what specialty did you think you were going to go into when you first started medical school? Um, so when I first got into med school, um, I think I wanted to do like either cardiology or like neurosurgery. Um, a shame to say, but only because they probably made a good amount. But once I got into med school, ever since like my first year of med school, I, I when I first learned about orthopedics, I like fell in love with the field. Um, a little bit of it because of my uh, sports background. I played basketball and like ran track in high school and whatnot. So that sports aspect drew me, drew me to the field. But like once I uh, was in med school, I did this um, summer internship program called um, Nth Dimensions. And it was pretty much geared towards um, getting um, minority physicians exposure into the field of orthopedics. And I developed a mentor through that program uh, his name is John Williams, who does, who was a joint replacement surgeon. And I essentially like latched onto him over the years and I fell in love with the field of uh, joint replacement as well. So ever since the first year of med school, after doing that program, I knew I wanted to do orthopedic surgery and be a joint replacement specialist. That's awesome. Awesome. Was there any specialty that you said, hmm, that's not for me? Um... I think probably either internal medicine or psychiatry. Um, <laughs> the reason for that being like whenever I did my internal medicine rotations, I feel like in the morning um, we would talk about a patient, talk about our patients and um, I guess formulate our plans. And then we come back in the afternoon and it felt like we're doing the same thing over again. Um, and uh, me personally, I wasn't really a fan of saying, uh, take this pill for that problem, take this pill for that problem. I'm more of a hands-on person. So I wanted to do something, I think, involved in the surgical field. And I also mentioned psychiatry because I remember during my psychiatry rotation, I went to like go interview my patient and I looked in the room, I didn't see him in the bed, I didn't see him in the corner anywhere. And then I was, as I was like, <laughs> turning my head, I see him like right behind the door. Oh, I, don't know, I don't know what he was thinking, but I was like, yeah, I don't think psych is for me. because That was your sign. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this isn't for me. <laughs> Good story. <laughs> I want to know more about the story now. <laughs> Nothing happened after, luckily, but I was just like, oh my gosh. So that's, that's scary. I definitely, no, thank you. Um, so I know you touched a little bit on it and your love for orthopedics, but what made you fall in love with orthopedics? I know you said sports, but anything else? Um, so I, I, I guess also the reason for orthopedics for it being, um, hands-on because it's a surgical specialty. And typically most of our patients are not like 
sick to the point that you worry that you might lose them in the operating room table or something like that. There are mainly patients that are in pain and they come to see you to help them get out of their pain and get back to activities that they love. Okay. And the fun, <laughs> fun fact, I was actually an orthopedic patient twice myself uh, within the past, I want to say five years. Oh, wow. In, uh, in residency, my the beginning of my second to last year, um, I was playing basketball um, with like a, an orthopedic pickup league or so. <laughs> um, and I was going to like make a steal and it felt like someone kicked me in the back of my ankle, Ooh. but turned around and nobody was there. And that's the classic story that you hear from anyone who has an Achilles tendon tear. Okay. So I, I tore my Achilles tendon the second to last year of um, my residency. I guess you can kind of say it was a work comp injury, <laughs> even though I wasn't, <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't at work when it happened, but I was playing with some of my uh, colleagues. <laughs> so um, I, uh, I called my boss and I was like, I'm pretty sure I tore my Achilles tendon and I uh, think you need to operate on me if you can do it tomorrow. <laughs> I'm sure you were able to find a doctor right away. <laughs> I, was, I was. I called him on like a, it happened on a Saturday and he's like, are you sure? I'm like, I, I would hope I'm sure. You taught, <laughs> you taught me. <laughs> but yeah, so I ended up having surgery the next day and um, I was using a, a knee scooter initially for like three to four weeks as he didn't want me to put, put any weight in the leg. Um, but I was still rolling around seeing patients in the clinic. And as soon as I was able to put weight on the leg again, I went back to operating. And then in fellowship, uh, around November 2019, after I was recovered from my Achilles tendon tear and I was back to playing pickup basketball, <laughs> um, also wasn't playing with like uh, I, well, I heard of the uh, the pickup lead through some of like the uh, CRNAs that I work with at the hospital. So was playing basketball, play, been playing for like about an hour and we we're up to like the, the last point of the game. And I was going to drive to make the basket and I felt again, like somebody kicked me in the knee or something like that. <laughs> I just remember going down and like clutching my knee. It wasn't really painful, I was more so in shock but I felt a gap in my patella tendon and I couldn't extend my knee. So I knew that I, I tore my patella tendon. Oh my God. <laughs> so as soon as I like got out of the shock, I texted my boss is like, yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> and I can't come to uh, work tomorrow. Oh my God. We're, no more basketball for you. <laughs> that's, that's when I they took you out of basketball. <laughs> Like I can't LeBron James playing for 19 years or Tom Brady playing no. something thing. So I just said from then I'm going to stick to my day job. I'd rather be an orthopedic surgeon and not the orthopedic patient. That's a patient. Good. Um, what would you say is the most unique part of your specialty? Um, so my specialty... Um, in terms of uh, orthopedics, yeah. um, kind of what I hinted at before that most of our patients are doing okay for the most part. They may have pain in a joint 
but overall, for the most part, they're healthy and they can kind of tell you what's been done specifically, how it, what, what, um, how it bothers them. And they usually can tell you the classic signs and symptoms. So it lets you identify the problem pretty quickly and usually have a solution for it. It's not usually a whole lot of like them telling you a story that's like a, a zebra or a unicorn. <laughs> have an idea. And um, specifically for my subspecialty, I think joint replacement is like one of the most life-changing um, pr procedures that someone can have. Like um, some, a patient can be like walking around miserable because every time they take a step, their knee hurts or their hip hurts. And they might be putting off seeing a doctor or, excuse me, getting a joint replacement because of rumors or fear that they heard from someone who had a bad outcome or something like that. But once they are well-versed on like the procedure the benefits and the uh, risks and whatnot, and they have the procedure, it's like night and day, they'll be like, why didn't I do this sooner? Yeah, That's rewarding, funny. very rewarding job. Yeah, definitely okay. do appreciate that reward. <laughs> <laughs> so what does an average day look like for you? Um, so some days are like clinic days, some days are OR days and the average clinic day, um, usually in office from like nine to five, uh, 20-ish or so patients, uh, half the morning, half in the um, afternoon. Um, and then on a day that maybe I'm on call or have surgery scheduled, um, usually end a little bit earlier, not necessarily till five, unless it's an add-on procedure from like a emergency room case, then um, may do it at five o'clock or so, but I don't really like to operate at night if I don't have to. Um, so I would probably push it off to the next day. Yeah, definitely. What is the most amount of patients you've seen in one day? Mm. In practice, probably like, 20-ish but I remember like in um in residency and fellowship anywhere from 60 to 80 once you're with like a uh, a seasoned surgeon that's been practicing for like 20 years or so and have been in the same community for a while so I anticipate I'll probably get up to that point at some point in my later career but early on probably around 20-ish. 20 is a lot. <laughs> Definitely a lot to see in one day, especially taking your time with each patient. You want to make sure that you do take your time with each patient. Definitely. What is the most difficult procedure you've performed in your career? Hmm. That one's tough. <laughs> it's tough, but um, it probably wasn't the one that I did as an attending myself. Well, I, I guess... Early on in practice, everyone might feel like the toughest one to you um, since it's like your first time doing it on your own. But once you've done it again, it's like, oh, it's not that bad. But the probably the toughest procedure I can remember in my training um, was probably like my last year in residency. Um, we had a patient uh, who was in like a car accident maybe like a year prior and he had a, uh, a brachial plexus injury and a brachial, the brachial plexus is essentially nerves that come from your neck and supply your arm. 
and he had a, a flail extremity essentially where he couldn't use his arm because of injury to the, his brachial plexus. So it's pretty much like a, um, if you kind of, there's like a movie, uh, I think it was Scary Movie 2, there was a guy who had the brachial plexus and pretty much can't use his arm. So it's something like that. And my uh, attending surgeon, uh, Robert Wilson, he, um, he wanted to try and help the guy. Um, and so we did something called an intercostal nerve transfer, where essentially you tr transfer the nerves from your ribs oh, wow. in into the uh, brachial plexus. Um, so I, I don't know if the guy ever regained function because it was towards the end of my residency, but I checked in, I think maybe I've asked, and he said either he didn't ever see the guy again because he wasn't even from uh, DC, mm. but... It was hard in the sense that I, it's not pretty often that you have orthopedic surgeons in the ribs and you really don't know if it's going to help the guy or not, but he's pretty much had exhausted everything he, he could try to that point. So it was worth a shot to try. Sounds difficult. <laughs> Definitely. My question is easy. Mine says, what is the most common procedure that you've performed? The most common one that I probably performed is... Uh, hip fracture surgery. Um, there's many different types of hip fractures that require different types of treatments. Um, the one that uh, I probably performed the most in my young career is probably what we call cephalomedullary nailing. And that's when someone breaks their hip in like the uh, intertrochanteric region of the hip and you treat it in, in, in the medical jargon is cephalomedullary uh, nailing, but in like layman's terms, it's putting a rod and screws inside the femur bone. Right. Um, and the patient's allowed to walk on that right away. And it takes about six months or so until the bone is fully healed. But we've each day, each week, each month that passes by, their pain is decreasing. And there's other types of hip fractures, depending on where in the hip is broken, you might need a hip replacement or you might just treat it with a, a few screws if the uh, fracture isn't, isn't um, out of place. Awesome. awesome. All righty, our next one. Sounds common, but it's not <laughs> good a little bit. People that don't have the uh, medical background. Right. <laughs> have you done any trauma work? Um, yeah, so definitely probably the, the vast majority of the, the um, procedures that I've done in my young career is trauma. Um, the reason for that being since you're like new in an area, you don't really have a big marketing presence or your name hasn't been built in the community. A lot of young surgeons take call, emergency room call, and you can have any type of like acute injury that would require an orthopedic surgeon, usually for things like uh, breaks in your bones, um, whether upper extremity or lower extremity, things like infections that develop in your joints. Um, but essentially trauma is like breaks and dislocations. Um, what I was telling you about the hip fracture, that's technically included in uh, trauma work. And anytime I'm on call, if I have any upper extremity fracture at this point, I just send them to Dr. John to take care of. <laughs> Love that. So now we're going to get into some lifestyle questions, a little more fun questions here. So um, how many hours do you work a week? Um, hard to say, but like I have a dedicated clinic day on Monday from like nine to five. Um, 
sometimes I'm on call maybe two weeks a month where it's 24 hours call, but I don't have to physically be in the hospital. Um, I just have to be available to take a phone call if there's an emergency situ situation or so. Um, so I would probably say, if not the typical 40 hours, a little bit less overall. Um, that's, awesome. that's a very typical answer for doctors, mm -hmm. so that's good. <laughs> what time do you normally wake up? Um, I try to wake up. I usually start my, like the days, days I have clinic, I usually start at nine o'clock. So typically um, seven o'clock or so, try and uh, I usually get up right away. I don't usually need an uh, alarm or hit the snooze button, but I wake up, shower, sometimes eat breakfast, sometimes don't. Um, just, I like to give, I like to be on time of things and not necessarily showing up there right when it's starting or um, afterwards. Like I think one time recently I was going to do to the OR and I was stuck in traffic and the OR person called me like, hey, you're usually here on time. Is everything okay? It's like, yeah, I just got caught in traffic. I'll be there. <laughs> like, where are you? <laughs> so my next question is, are you a night or day person? I am probably a day person. Um, usually um my wife will complain that like when she wants to like watch a movie or something and it's like nine ten o'clock i'm falling asleep <laughs> if after having a big meal maybe drinking some wine it's a good bet i have like an hour hour <laughs> left in me versus whenever i'm up in the morning she'll be like let, let me sleep or like that so i'm more of a day person so am I. I'm like that as well, too. Once you have that dinner, you're ready an hour, and that's probably it, all you're getting. <laughs> um, okay. How long does my turn? <laughs> How long <laughs> does it take you to chart? Um, so sorry. No worries. <laughs> it's okay. It's happened so many times in so many of these podcasts that it's totally okay. <laughs> Um, so in um, the clinic se the clinic setting, I think charting probably is shorter um, compared to like in a hospital setting. So in, in the uh, clinic setting, we use a, a dictation device. So right after I see the patient, um, which will be like 15 or 30 minutes, I can dictate my examination right after I leave the room. Um, average, maybe like it's five minutes, maybe dictate on the using a dictaphone. Versus in the hospital, after you see the patient, I think sometimes charting is probably longer than the uh, the patient uh, encounters. The hospitals have different EMR systems, and you have to hit a certain amount of uh, um, systems in order to have a thorough note. And you have to sign it, make sure you check this and this and that. Um, so it kind of varies whether in the hospital versus in the clinic. It depends. We hear a lot of five hours for our soul. That's pretty good. No, I try not to make it last that long just for charting. <laughs> On the right track. <laughs> How is your life when you clock out? Um, when I clock out, uh, <laughs> things that I, I like to do now, um, obviously not basketball anymore, uh, <laughs> at least not playing it, but I still, <laughs> enjoy, I still enjoy watching basketball and football. Um, and as, uh, as newlyweds, we try to make a plan to travel somewhere for like a long weekend each month, um, for like a year. 
Um, we did good pretty from my January, February, March. Um, January, we went to a wedding in St. Martin. February, we went to um, um, the British, sorry, the U.S. Virgin Islands for nice. for her birthday, and then in March, we went to Cayman Islands for my birthday. Um, April, we didn't go anywhere international, but we went to Orlando like once or twice, <laughs> visiting uh, friends and doing like conferences. And May, we haven't gone any. Actually, no, we went to Orlando for a couple of days <laughs> early on. Uh, my goddaughter had her first time to Disney World and we surprised her there. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> Thank you. Traveling. traveling. I love traveling as well. If I can if I can be traveling every day, I would be traveling every day. <laughs> Same here. And I, I, I have a few more passport stamps in my uh, passport. <laughs> I my love wife. those stamps. <laughs> trying to get her caught up. <laughs> I love that. So I'm going to replace this question, I guess. I think your favorite thing to do when you're not working is traveling. <laughs> yeah, that question doesn't Basically, go anymore. <laughs> since you love basketball so much, which is your favorite basketball team? Oh, that's a good one. Um, so I'm I know, you're in South Florida, and the Heat are doing pretty good. So. They're doing pretty good, and I'm, root, I'm rooting for them. But my favorite basketball player is LeBron James um whether some people love him some people hate him so I don't necessarily have a team that I'm tied to but I was rooting for the Heat when he was a Heat um I was rooting for the Cavs when he was in Cleveland and I was rooting for the Lakers when he was in LA um after he retires maybe maybe I'll stick here to the Heat since I'm still living here um but to answer that I don't have a specific team that I'm uh tied to that's awesome. My question doesn't count either because we know you don't have kids yet, but you're working on that. <laughs> Maybe, depending. <laughs> so I'll go to my other question. And this one is, um, we want to know, and I kind of think we know the answer to this, but do you get a lot of random medical advice from your family all the time asking you questions? We Family usually thinks if you're a doctor, you know everything. So they're going to ask you about everything and anything. <laughs> yeah, um, that actually happens uh, fairly frequently. Not a whole lot to like annoy me or anything like that. But both of our moms um, <laughs> have uh, like reached out to us because of a friend of theirs that maybe had a like, honestly, what did my my uh, my mom asked me to talk to one of her friends who had a, uh, a recent knee replacement. Um, she's there up in New Jersey and the lady had like bilateral knees replaced and like she would just have come from her like post-op <laughs> appointment. But then she gets my mom to call me to answer questions <laughs> about her knee. I was like, I didn't do the surgery, but it seems like normal two week after surgery pain or whatnot you have and then maybe like another like a month ago my uh mother-in-law called it was telling me that uh, a friend of hers had to have a, a redo knee procedure because the um one of the pieces became loose even though it was not infected and i was like yeah this kind of seems um it's rare for this to happen, but I've heard of it happening. And it's something called like aseptic loosening of the tibial component. And then she was like, yeah, that's exactly what the doctor told me. 
it's glad to be able to help and answer these questions but we do get uh random questions about medical advice here. i love that <laughs> all right so my next one's pretty easy dog or cat i think i'm a dog person um i don't own one but um <laughs> i guess i had experience with uh a cat when i was living in dc um um my girlfriend at the time she we like adopted a cat and i guess it was one of the first few days we had it and i was in the middle of my sleep <laughs> then like i heard like a meow or something like that yeah I don't remember if it jumped on my face or just jumped on me, but it was the middle of the night. So there was like <laughs> startling, didn't know what it was. We broke, broke like a lamp in the process. The bed moved all the way over. That's very so common. <laughs> yeah, no, no more cats for me. No more. That's a good story, but that's very common in cats. <clears throat> my question is very controversial because my question is, do you like pineapple on pizza? I do actually. Um, <laughs> my wife doesn't really like pizza, so I haven't had any pizza now. I think about it since we got married, but I do like Hawaiian pizza, the ham and pineapple. Oh, wow. <laughs> she doesn't like pizza. Pizza's like such a delicious. <laughs> I, I <laughs> eat it all the time. I just don't remember eating any with her. Oh, wow. <laughs> Coffee, tea, or soda? Um, I'd probably say soda. Um, despite being in medicine, I never really got into coffee. I either, um, like I said, tried to get my sleep at night, but on rare occasion when I, maybe I was up all night and I needed to be up the next day, I would drink coffee to try and help me stay awake, but not for like the flavor or anything like that. Yeah. And her mom just visited us this weekend for Mother's Day and he kept saying, Richard, where's your coffee machine? And I, neither of us drink coffee. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, that I've done a couple of interviews already and you would think that doctors drink coffee, but most, I think only like one doctor that we've interviewed was like a coffee drinker. The rest said no. Which is very interesting. We're learning a lot. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess in, in my training, the smell of, forgive me if this is a little disgusting, but like when you're using a bovie and you have the burning tissue or whatnot, that always just wake, wake, woke, woke me up. That woke you up. That's your coffee. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's mm -hmm. a good one. That's your... Okay, so what's your favorite music to listen to when you're in the OR? <laughs> um, my wife may have... <laughs> told on me um but in uh in residency um probably listened to like hip-hop and r&b whatever the surgeon was doing in fellowship my attendings didn't listen to any music oh. um that's just the way they did it so um i kind of got used to that in my my year of fellowship so when i came down to south florida um, I kind of didn't ever, I never told anyone, like, I don't want music. I just never put any on. So I kind of got used to that. Okay. Um, so my, my wife teases, makes fun of me. like, how do you operate without music? You know, <laughs> like the English version or something like that. But I, lately I've been trying to say, you guys can put on music if you want. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. I, have, I haven't made my own playlist yet. Good. That's a fun fact then that we learned today. <laughs> One random task you are really good at. 
Mm -hmm. <laughs> Ask. Maybe laundry, <laughs> dishes, maybe none of those. <laughs> um, I wouldn't say I'm really good at, but I, I, I find myself doing more of the laundry and the dishes. <laughs> My wife does the cooking. Um, so I guess you can say that. Balance <laughs> um, each other out. Balance. Yeah, we do try to balance each other out. Um, we, we play a card game a lot with, with our uh, some of our mutual friends, Spades. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever played that, but I, I, I like to say I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> That's a good. Not necessarily a task, though. <laughs> Not a task. It's a game. So night in or night out in the town? Uh, lately, <laughs> it's becoming more night in. Um, <laughs> in our, like, 20s, I would say, let's go out. Miami's right there. But I kind of picked for Lauderdale strategically because I felt like I'm kind of tired of the night out in Miami thing, but I want to be close enough that if we wanted to, it's right there. Um, but I think both of us, we, we claim we're getting old, even though it's <laughs> relatively young that we'd rather stay in, um, play cards and do things like that. <laughs> I think your answer matches Dr. John's answer. <laughs> you passed. <laughs> indoors or outdoors? Sorry, say that last part again. Indoor or outdoor? Um, in terms of like an activity or so? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I think I'm more of an outdoor person. Um, for instance, like if we were to go on a trip somewhere, Dr. John likes the... Uh, to try and pick really nice hotels. <laughs> I don't really care as much about the hotel. I'd rather be outside doing an activity. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> and she did tell us about her vacation planning. She loves it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, are you a beach or mountain person? Beach. Wow. Um, I say that because I like warmer weather um, and like traveling to places with nice beaches. But since living in Florida for the past three years, probably only been to the beach on our own maybe twice. I think we take it for granted since we live here now. <laughs> but the only real times we visited the beach is when we had family in town, we took them to see it. Oh, wow. But um, I, and I also uh, have a hobby that I don't get to do too much um, because the wife doesn't know how to swim is uh, scuba diving. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I'm scared of scuba diving. I'm with her on that. <laughs> but for my birthday in the Cayman Islands a few months ago, she uh, got me a scuba diving excursion. Oh, wow. So that was my first time. Happy. It was my first time doing it in five years. So oh, I was wow. a little rusty, but it was still fun. <laughs> oh, no. That's scary to me. <laughs> Just the thought of it. <laughs> so we're getting close to the end, and these questions are going to be a little bit more reflective. Um, we're almost done. So <laughs> our next one is, what did you think you wanted to be when you were a kid? Oh, that's easy. I always thought I was going to be an NBA. <laughs> so, you should have known that answer. Yeah, so I, I was uh, playing basketball all through high school. And then I had a good friend of mine who's actually coming to visit uh, next weekend. Um, that he was doing this uh, summer program each year where it was geared towards training uh, minority students to develop careers as MD, PhDs. 
And I was like, yeah, I'm not really interested. I want to keep playing basketball. But one day, <laughs> one day, I guess the light bulb went out and said, I think I want to do medicine. So um, I, uh, I decided to take him up on this, this uh, summer internship program. It was based in Philadelphia. And I, uh, I like the program. Um, I like the, uh, I guess, the MD aspect of it. But I knew I didn't want to do research. So I didn't really like the PhD part, but I was like my first um, introduction into like going towards medicine and less so basketball. <laughs> <laughs> well, glad you did. <laughs> yeah, even though I still was kind of pursuing it until my injuries and I definitely knew that no more basketball. And I think my question is irrelevant right now because my question is if you didn't go into medicine, what would you go in? What would you be doing now? And we know that, right? So we can skip right through that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'll just jump into the next question. If you could change one thing about the medical field, what would it be? Mm, I would hopefully get the, I guess, all the administrative um, burden and tasks out of it so that we can just practice medicine saying, this patient has an arthritic knee, they need a knee replacement, bam. Versus <laughs> this patient has an arthritic knee, but they're on this insurance plan, so they can't have this, or we can only pay a doctor this. I just wish it was like one plus one equals two, but not That's one plus case. one is this and this and that. And I think your answer is about the same as every other doctor we've interviewed. <laughs> yep. Yeah, definitely to try and practice medicine on our own terms and not necessarily from someone who doesn't have any change that needs to happen in healthcare. I agree. And I wish it didn't cost so much to go to medical school. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right? <laughs> I've heard that too. <laughs> What would you say to an aspiring medical student? Aspiring medical student. Um, it's a long road, <laughs> but ultimately it is a rewarding career, um, both in terms of the um, joy you get from like changing a patient's life. And um, even though reimbursement is going down, it is a financially rewarding career as well. So stay the course, the same reasons that led you to want to go into medicine. Make sure you remember those throughout the journey because it's a, it's a marathon and not a sprint. It gets tough. <laughs> well, thank you. That's a good answer. Um, okay, so now we're getting into the workers' comp questions. And my question to you is, what is your philosophy when treating an injured worker? Okay. Um, so with treating an injured worker, I think one of the most important things to do is educate the patient on their injury. Um, as long as they know like what their injury is, what's the natural history of whether you treat it surgically or if you treat it non-surgically, definitely want to have the patient or worker be well-informed because not everything needs surgery. And um, there are definitely ways that you can treat and have a very good outcome without surgery. So, and working is usually something that they have to have to do their way of life, something they love doing. And I want to get the patient in as quickly as possible, get them right as quickly as possible, get them back to their job and work. 
Yeah, I love that. That is their so idea. <laughs> one, of my, one of my models I try to use um, with any patient in general, not, not even really, not even just workers, comp patients, or get them in, get them right, get them out. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's exactly, I, I love that. So, Anise? What changes or improvements do you feel that you can bring to the workers' compensation industry? Um, I think being, uh, I guess, relatively young physician and surgeon, um, being exposed to like a lot of the newer technologies and different modalities and forms of treatment helps like, um, treating patients currently rather than them using the same old things that have been in practice for like 30 years or plus. There's like definitely been innovations, um, things that are more minimally invasive, um, have quicker results. So I think me myself being someone who trained in the innovative like fellowship and um, are being exposed to a lot of the new technologies when I think I can help patients get back to their pre-injury level quicker than like some more outdated practices. I agree with you on that for sure. So what makes your practice unique? Um, it's a unique in the sense that I guess you can call it like a family. Um, myself and Dr. John, I concentrate in the lower extremities. She concentrates to the upper extremities. And Dr. Julian Cameron, um, who's actually also in our practice, he and I went to the same residency, but he was uh, 12 years or so ahead of me. Um, wow. And he, his specialty is spine. So we kind of have everything covered as a one-stop shop. And yeah. if for any reason um, the patient may need a DME or medication or therapy, we have all that in-house as well. Excellent, excellent. So. Me? My turn? Yes, you. <laughs> We're almost done. We're almost done. So this one's a little long, but here we go. Um, good claim handling best practices includes establishing effective communication with the injured worker, the employer, and other parties that become involved for the duration of a worker's compensation claim. So what strategies do you use to make sure you are clearly communicating your message to everyone that is involved? Okay. Um, it may sound, I guess, cliche, but uh, number one thing is educate the patient. Try to use uh, layman's terms. So instead of saying like arthroplasty, I'll try and use a term like replacement, which means the same thing. Um, and let them know definitely of conservative to more aggressive or surgical options. I always start with the most conservative things first. Like if your knee is hurting, I would say like lose weight first. Then I'll discuss different medications or injections and bracing. And then as a last resort is when I'll mention um, surgery. Um, with the claims manager, I try to be thorough in my dictation of the encounter with the patient and also with the DWC form. Um, I don't really have a, I guess, uh, phone communication um, aspect with the claims manager, but I, that's something I'm open to, um, where if they have a question with something I may have dictated or something, they can text, call, email me, and I'll be happy to say your, why. Say your why. office has a really great team and staff that always is in communication if needed. So that's a good thing. Okay, so you think thing about your practice, very good work comp coordinator. Um, so what is the best way to reach your staff that we just talked about? 
Okay. Um, so yeah, definitely by by phone, 954-747-1221, um, or email at info at cspinecenter.com. Um, phone, email, fax, um, our websites, they have connections to uh, the office as well. Excellent. And I'll put all that in our notes. So if you're listening, you don't have to take notes right now. We're going to put that in the notes so that they can get links to your website and all that information. Thank you so much, Dr. Marco, for being here today and us getting to know you and learning so much about you. I'm glad you became a doctor, not an MBA player. I'm sure maybe you don't think that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but thank you so much for being here today. Any final thoughts? Um. I just want to say thank you too as well. This was really fun. My uh, wife was told me I'd probably be dry and not as bubbly as her, but I think I'll be okay. She did say that. <laughs> she was awesome to do the interview with. Tell her we say hello. <laughs> you did awesome. You did awesome. You did, you did great, yes. You, you definitely her. exceeded her expectations. I, I will yes, tell her. We were worried. <laughs> no, but you did great. Thank you very much. But thank no, you thank so much. You. Everyone, make sure you can connect with Dr. Marfil and we'll see you guys in the next one. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. We would really appreciate it if you leave your review and subscribe to Bloom TV. We'll see you next time. Thank you.